It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to the Upfront program for this Monday morning. I usually have Monday morning off uh, because uh, Dick Bouchard does his um, once-a-week program, and and uh, he comes in, and he has um, he has his own style, that's for sure. And he comes in with a thick um, bunch of papers and and uh, reads off a whole bunch of things that he's taken from uh, the internet that um, fall in line with his political views. And um, and of course, it's a talk show, you know. And uh, we're protected uh, under the Constitution to say what we want to say, and so he says exactly. What he wants to say. I'm not quite sure our guest today can say exactly what he wants to say, but uh, we'll check in with him. So Dick is off. I'm looking at the calendar in the studio and I see um, no and no two times. That means that Dick uh, will not be here uh, today and he won't be here next week, but I think he'll be here a couple of weeks from now if all goes well. And uh, so um, I um, reached out to uh, a guy I've known a long time. And uh, he is a, um, do, you, do you call, um, do we use this term anymore? Do we call you civil servants? You know, I could live with that. Okay. So he is a civil servant, um, and he uh, works for the state of Rhode Island, lives here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. We've known him a million years. And, uh, and Tom Kogut has uh, joined us today. How are you doing, Tom? I'm glad to be here. Um, you know, I, uh, I want to apologize to everyone for having a Monday morning guest who's slightly less exciting than oatmeal, but I'll, I'll do my very best. Well, you uh, you have an interesting job. What does uh, Tom do? He is the uh, an associate administrator with the Division of uh, Public Utilities and Carriers for the state of Rhode Island. And so that the audience doesn't lose interest early in the show on this topic, I want to explain to you uh, that, um, well, he'll explain to you uh, that the uh, public utilities and and also as carriers, under that under that statement is a whole bunch of responsibilities besides electric and gas. So, so maybe um, you could give the audience an an overview of what that uh, that agency does uh, three sixty five sure. uh, a year. So there are actually two agencies under the roof. I work for the division and not the commission. We're we're it gets really confusing, but we're we're in the same building. Uh, our administrator is Linda George. Uh, the commissioners, the commission chair, is the administrator of, of their operation, and we have different regulatory functions. Uh, the one thing about the division is we're a party to all the proceedings before the commission, and those are all the rate and tariff cases. Primarily, you're thinking about gas and electric. Um, of course, we have three electric utilities, including Rhode Island Energy, but also Pasco Utility District and uh, the Block Island Utility District. We have the one gas utility, obviously. Uh, we also have regulatory authority over some of the big water companies, uh, including, of course, Providence, Woonsocket, Pawtucket, uh, Newport, uh, the old United Water uh, down in the Peacedale Wakefield area and Kent County. Uh, so those those are among the big utilities, uh, Narragansett Bay Commission, we have a regulatory role with that. That's the one wastewater utility. On the division side, uh, we handle cable television and motor carriers, and that's taxis and public motor vehicles and the like. Um, slight extent on TNCs, otherwise known as your Uber and Lyft type of uh, loss, somewhat restrictive on, on what we do there. Um, we also regulate intrastate ferries. Um, more in terms of freight and passenger rates as they relate to the lifeline service, like the Block Island Ferry. And the other one is the Prudence Island Ferry that operates between Bristol and Prudence. Um, in addition to that, uh, we have a consumer section downstairs at the division where on any of your utility bills, you'll have our number, and that's where that rings. Um, we basically try to help sort out, and we have processes to, uh, to deal with consumer issues. In addition to that, we also have an engineering section that does gas pipeline inspection, dig safe, and I'm probably forgetting a few other things, but um, we have an emergency management role as well. But that's, that's kind of in a nutshell what happens in the building all right we're going to dig back on a whole bunch of things but i think uh, i do i do want to get um 
electric and gas uh, on yeah. the table first because um, because they just uh, they're going up. Uh, yep. If they haven't gone, I think they already October went one. Yes, right. And I want to find out <clears throat> just what role does the commission, Public Utilities Commission, and the administration, Public Utilities Administration, uh, play in in this? Um, is it uh, is it regulated uh, so much by federal? Is it a guaranteed uh, a rate increase every time? So maybe you can take us through the role and tell us whether, in fact, you guys really have much authority and whether, in fact, the general public has much of a say in all this. Okay. So to set the stage, uh, October 1, electric rates went up uh, 24.9% uh, on, a, on a bill, all in. Um, and uh, the gas rates, which are yet to be set because they, they move on November 1, uh, they're going down by about 3.3%, uh, just short of $60 uh, savings for a heating customer across the entire heating se- season. Um, what we're looking at is on the electric side, it, let's take a look at your electric bill. It, the easiest way to divide the issue is between the distribution side of the bill that's the wires, the meters, the substations, all the things that, that go into delivering electricity to your house. And then there's the commodity side of the bill. And this increase, the one that we see every fall, is on the commodity side. Um, as many people probably know, I know you know this because you, you've talked about competitive supply before and, and all that other stuff. But um, the commodity side of the bill is just that. It's what the cost of the actual energy supply is coming to your home. You don't have to buy that. You can have your own supplier or in a number of Rhode Island communities, they have their own community aggregation where the city or town sets up a supply contract uh, situation. The aggregation, by the way, the prices that will come in, they aggregate in just one month off. They're November, uh, November 1, May 1, or October 1, April 1. Uh, their rates are very similar, uh, about a half penny per kilowatt hour, uh, just underneath the rates of Rhode Island Energy put out there. So, um, I, and one other point is the rates, the way things are right now, in April 1, the rates will go down. And we've seen this the last few years. The April through October rates uh, dropped somewhat significantly, and the October rates go into effect till April 1, the winter rates, if you will. Uh, those are the ones that have an annual increase for a number of reasons in the marketplace. So. The, those aggregate uh, rates uh, that some cities and towns, that, that, there's such a little difference between them that it, you're, you're mentioning it in passing, but it's not like like when Socket is missing out on something if, in fact, uh, Barrington and Bristol are together with an aggregate rate. So comparing the rates that... During the month of November, you know, and going forward, because they, they, there's that one-month difference. So mm-hmm. yeah, starting November 1, it's about a half cent per kilowatt hour difference. So for mm-hmm. a 500 kilowatt hour customer, that's a savings of $2.50. All right. So it's not a huge savings. So is there any anything, uh, you know, people criticize the, uh, it's the commission that a- actually gives permission for Ultimately. the rate increase. Is there actually something, uh, supposing they said no, what would happen? And and, and mind you, there are a lot of things that the commission and the division have latitude on. And that's on the distribution rate case side, on things like smart meters, um, that's which is coming down um, on our annual things like the energy efficiency. Smart meter is something they can read from the street? Well, uh, we can we can touch on on that because that's actually kind of a cool thing. Uh, I think it's kind of still technologically, I still have... Mm-hmm. fun with this stuff. But there are a lot of things that that do have the actual rate impact um, gets really looked at down to a, a microscopic level. State law requires Rhode Island Energy and before them National Grid to go out and make this power available to you. It's a competitive environment. But you as a customer should have the right to have a default service, right? If you don't want a competitive supplier, if, you, if you're in an aggregation community and you opt out, at least you, you will have electric supply. So they're required to provide it for you. And then the commission gets to tell them how they should go out to bid. Basically, we bid that six-month period over the prior two years. 90% of it goes out in a series of tranches and RFPs. And then we review that. Um, what's our latitude in that? 
as as regulators, um, we could defer, but a deferral just simply means that we're pushing the costs into the future. These, um, uh, what you're talking about, was that what uh, Lieutenant Governor McKee was talking about uh, when he was Lieutenant Governor? He was, he came to the show a couple of times and he said, you know, you don't have to deal necessarily with uh, with uh, the company that you get your bill from. Right. Uh, you can go to A, B, C, D, or F. Is that what you're talking about? Well, that's part of it. I mean, that that, that really is it. Back mm-hmm. in 1996, we were the first state to quote unquote. I hate the use of the term deregulate because mm-hmm. it, it's you know I, I think that it's a little bit of a misnomer, but that's what it's referred to by many. In '96, we were the first state to have a deregulated electric market. And by the way, that was pushed by Enron. If you remember Enron. Yes, I remember the, the, uh, they had an unfortunate history. They did. Yeah. And uh, Ken Lay, God rest him, and, and, and his friends uh, were, were the prime movers of the current structure that is similar to what, what exists in most of New England, uh, with the exception of Vermont and uh, quite, a, quite a number of states. Um, yeah, it, it, is, it is just a division of what the, the, the marketplace can offer. And yeah, you can go out. And you can get, let's say, a competitive supply contract. And I kind of liken it to locking in an oil heat price. So if you know that these numbers are for illustration, not what the oil heat market is, because I haven't been an oil heat customer in a long time. So let's say you want to lock in $5.50 for the winter. You know in the spot market you can get four and, and change uh, for your oil. But that five fifty makes sense to you because that's insurance. And you make that choice. So theoretically, you could go out in the electric market and say, I'll sign a 12-month contract at, you know, something less than the 17 cents, but I will forego what I know is going to be a lower rate come April 1. I mean, it. it but on the other hand, I, I look at it this way. I would rather clip coupons that, you know, because the savings can be minimal and the amount of effort can be kind of maximal. Tom Kogut is with us. One socket resident yep. uh, works for the uh, for the public utilities uh, commission here in uh, excuse me the public uh, the division of public utilities. the division of public utilities the commission that he, has, that he explained is a separate entity to take the bottom line of this discussion about utility rates and then we'll get mm-hmm. into other things so um, twenty four point nine uh, is is the number uh, all in on the bill that, yeah. uh, that so supposing the commission when they had their meeting said um, we uh, it, we're, we're trying to fight inflation we're going to make it ten percent and um, and well national grid not anymore but uh, Rhode Island Energy is ten percent could could Nash, could Rhode Island Energy say well we're not going to do it we're going to pull out I mean. We'll, <laughs> no, well, yeah, and and and, and that's an interesting. You know, now we're getting to a legal question here, um, because theoretically, if the company is required by law and they followed all the process of the procurement, the company, I guess, in theory, could challenge that legally, since they're required to produce the product and they produce the product according to a procurement structure. Um, they they could challenge that type of ruling legally. The options, though, are they do include things such as deferring certain costs. Um, the governor has done other things along with Office of Energy Resources, especially with low-income customers, uh, to use Reggie money. That's the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative money uh, to offset some of those those costs. So it's still the same rate increase. It's just other money coming in to, uh, to help offset it, for, yeah. especially for the low income. And and we already have in place uh, for low income customers a twenty five percent up to thirty percent bottom line bill discount mm-hmm. for income eligible customers. So th- I'm not saying they're utterly totally that they low income customers are totally insulated from it, but they are largely protected. Uh, from some of the impact of the swings. And that 24.9 that we're talking about, did they originally ask for 30.7 or was that what they asked for and that's what they got? Uh, That's what they asked for and that's what they got. I think it depends on uh, what number you're looking at. (coughs) 24.9 is all in on the bill. I'm using just the bottom line with the distribution, the the whole bit. Is there any debate that does take place uh, at the commission uh, about this or or do they realize uh, commission members uh, who represent uh, the people of Ro- do they represent the people of Rhode Island? Uh, is yeah, that the, okay. I mean, yes. So they represent the people of Rhode Island. Uh, is 
is this something you already know when you sit down as a commission member at the table that you you got to go with the 24.9? That's what they asked for, and that's what they need, and we can't shave it to 24.2. Right. So, obviously, the first thing they want to make sure that the procurement structure, the, the way they went after it, everything's according to Hoyle. It was done properly. The numbers are are what they are, and whether or not uh, if there were any deficiencies in, in the procurement, uh, that, that can be addressed. Deferral is another option, uh, that type of thing. Uh, there, there, is, there is not, with that particular part of the bill, there isn't a whole lot of, uh, there isn't a massive amount of latitude, but we have seen circumstances where this commission and prior commissions have done deferrals, have done other things uh, to, to adjust and to impact the overall bottom line increase. Um, and, you know, th- those are options, but deferrals have costs, too. So. Why, why is it so expensive here in New England? Why, uh, you know, why can't we have cheap rates like uh, other places? Well, we've got, we've got an issue in New England. By the way, uh, Alex Kuffner, when, when these, these uh, rights for the project, did a really nice job explaining uh, the, the utility environment uh, in New England. These rates are actually a little bit lower than some of the Massachusetts and Connecticut rates in similar procurement periods. Not dramatically lower, but they're a little bit lower. Our problem in this region is gas pipeline constraint. And here's the deal. Most of our electricity is generated by natural gas. Uh, Right now, majority is natural gas. And the next biggest player is our aging fleet of nuclear reactors. They're still, still a player. And uh, a whole mix of other things that follow on with that. Natural gas is a problem in the winter for a couple of reasons. One, obviously the gas demand for heating takes over in the winter. And that competes with the natural gas and it would end up otherwise going to the fleet of natural gas-fired electric generation. So now you're bringing on, in some of the coldest days of winter, you're bringing on dual fuel plants like oil. Which can be expensive because now you're, it's not the fuel that's used all the time. and You have to store or pipe or, you know, and all the things you need to do with that. Um, you, you also have in the, the ISO New England, which is the regional power market, there, there are price signals that are sent when, on those really constrained days where everything has to come on board because there isn't enough gas to, to feed all the demand. No matter what it costs. Yeah, because you 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 again we like twenty four seven reliability mm-hmm. in our electricity, you know, and and certainly, you know, we on the reliability side when we look at emergency management and all of that stuff, um, there are things that we look at in the horrible, and these are really scary eventualities that we all kind of plan and prepare for. That what if we ever got to a situation where you'd have to have rolling blackouts in a region? That would be as in the dead of winter. That's that's a frightening prospect, and you got a lot of people working pretty hard to make sure that doesn't happen. Before we take our first call and <clears throat> first comment from a listener, um, <clears throat> so we've got wind and energy out there, and we have uh, nuclear energy, and we have yep. solar energy, and then we have traditional energy from uh, our, uh, you know, our traditional electric company. Um, do you have any regulatory? Um, um, Call on wind energy, nuclear, and solar, uh, or or is that um, pretty much private industry? Those that's a complex mix of things. I mean, uh, the nuclear certainly that's a private industry thing because that lives in the ISO New England regional power grid marketplace and all of that. Um, as far as wind energy, that there are different statutory provisions under which the state goes after uh, wind energy contracts. For example, the Block Island project had its own statutory construction. It lives under its own law. Um, There is uh, a statute called ACES under which this most recent uh, request for proposals uh, has come in. Then there's long-term contracting where the commission does have a role in reviewing contracts and, and, and provisions surrounding that. So there are different layers around Around it, um, uh, the the cost of uh, of solar largely driven by statutory provisions and what you get for net metering, the RE growth program, where the there's another way of getting solar um, that that also the 
the price ceilings and, and other uh, things around those annual allotments are reviewed by the commission. Uh, that, that's put forward by Office of Energy Resources. We'll take a call. Sure. And then uh, we'll talk about what carriers means, like uh, like cable television. Then I want to ask you whether you have any regulatory uh, powers uh, with um, with the cell phone companies. Well, we'll, we'll talk about all yeah. that. But uh, let's see if um, somebody has a question for you or comment. What would you like to uh, tell uh, Mr. Uh, Thomas Kogan? First of all, I'll tell you right now, I can't hear you again. This is an ongoing problem. Well, just state your opinion, then we'll get to it. Go ahead. Okay, if you're really worried about rolling blackouts, you'd be pushing nuclear energy. If you really wanted to control the cost of, of, of electricity, you would be pushing advanced nuclear power, not regular nuclear power, but advanced plants, modular plants, plants that work with uh, molten salt plants, working with thorium, those kind of things, you'd be pushing that. When, when the, when the um, electric company asks me what I think of the future, I think of blackouts, I think of freezing to death, I think you haven't got us covered, and I'm going to also, and I don't know how much input you have, but I also have a question how it works, we talk about deregulated, does that mean if I set up a big nuclear power plant in Connecticut somewhere, I can just pump electricity into Rhode Island and tell the wind farms to get lost? Okay, we'll go into all that. Um, thank you for your call. But I have a, a key question. He said... You guys pushing for, does the Public Utilities Commission push for policy or do you simply regulate somebody else's policy? So we're, we get involved in policy you know, on the legislative, both the commission and the division, because we, we have different legislative. I'm, I also do the legislative stuff on, on the division side. Um, broadly speaking, you know, when we talk about uh, the fleet of, of what we have in the region for generation, um, that is largely set by the individual states who have their goals for for wind energy, uh, for for renewables. Rhode Island obviously has its own goals and its own processes. Um, as far as nukes and and versus natural gas versus um, whatever else that's in there, that really does exist in the deregulated marketplace. It's somebody you know if somebody tomorrow wanted to do. Whether it's um, one of these, the, the new technology of the, the smaller core nukes or, or anything else along those lines, they could try to go through the process. Now, this is just me talking about being, when I was a kid, my dad and I, all right, I, I was boring even as a kid. Yeah, okay. so, uh, me so too. I've been working at this for a long time. Mm-hmm. So my dad and I used to actually, when I was a kid, I was fascinated by nuclear power. We actually went to most of the nuclear power stations. In New England. In like the one in, in Plymouth and Pilgrim? Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, Vernon, Vermont, Vermont Yankee, Millstone, uh, the original yep. uh, Yankee in, in Rowe, Wisconsin, Maine. It's like me uh, looking at train stations, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, are they boring people are boring people. Yeah. Ahead, please. Yeah. I, I deal that's why com- we get along so well. That's right. <laughs> you know. Um, but, but again, you know, uh, so speaking of in, in terms of that, nukes are intriguing in that their, their cost. And again, this is just me being a... a, a uh, interested in, in in the process, their cost is usually very high up front, and it's very high at the decommissioning level because those are really expensive, really messy things. The messy and the regulatory level up front, and and not so much uh, at the end, but but certainly technologically challenging. Um, I, I think uh, it is going to be a fascinating as we go down the road with all of the targets that we have for decarbonization. I think um, I think the solutions that we're looking at today may be augmented by technology that I hope will come on board that will get us some uh, cost-effective future. Now I'm going back to the original question. Though. Yeah, yeah, is the Public Utilities Commission and carriers a um, policy-setting agency or is it a regulatory agency to regulate policies that were set by somebody else? I think much more the latter, with the one caveat, is that both agencies do weigh in on, on legislation and statutory provisions based on our perspective on what's right for ratepayers in terms of safety, reliability, and cost. I'll put it one more way. Uh, if the General Assembly passes a law uh, affecting your agency... You have to follow yep. it, or can yes. you say no? Yes, and, and right. right, you and I and everybody else, uh, we're we're right. we're subject to it. And if the federal government <clears throat> passes a law, 
that covers Rhode Island, uh, you have to you have to regulate that law as they set it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So you have your bosses, yeah. and it's politicians, I guess, uh, in the Washington and in the state, right? And, and like, fair, fair enough. I mean, in, in our role, we um, we regulate within the the framework. Um, you can make the case that statutory provisions, whether they be on the state or federal level, can set the goals uh, across not just the issue of rates and tariffs, but in terms of environmental, social conditions, in terms of all the other goals that, that may exist out there. If you're listening to the program and you notice that our guest has a pleasant voice, there's a reason. He, he's a radio guy from way back. Maybe we'll talk about that toward the end of the show. But he also recognizes that we have to pause for commercials. You had to, when you were in radio, you were doing that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So except for the, my NPR days, we no. can talk about that later. <laughs> so, their commercials over there. Let me tell you, we're funded by you, our listeners, <laughs> and by Walmart. We know you don't shop with us. We're simply being sarcastic. Find out more at Walmart.com. Would you be a, do me a favor right now? Would you say we'll be back with more upfront after these messages? Right? We'll be back with more upfront after these messages. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, Let's uh, have this message here. Uh, I don't know which one to choose. Uh, we got so many sponsors. Uh, here's Lisa. Lisa, you're on next. At Community Care Alliance, our 500 employees are passionate about strengthening lives. Right now, we have job openings that give you the opportunity to build a stronger community with us. We hire every level in multiple disciplines. We offer competitive salaries, a comprehensive benefit package, including generous vacation, sick time, holidays, and competitive medical and dental coverage. Find out more at W www.communitycareri.org or by calling 401-235-7458. Your life experience could contribute to the riches and qualities of care that we provide. All right, thank you. Um, opening today, uh, we've been doing the countdown and now it's arrived. Um, 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, welcome to Winsocket, uh, Winsocket Discount Liquors. And we're going to be the biggest liquor store here in Woonsocket with the biggest selection of wine, beer, and spirits. Every brand. Uh, do they allow you to drink at the Public Utilities Commission on your time off? Category, well, time off? Yeah, on your time off. Yeah, my time off. There's this wide latitude to do anything that's legal. Okay, fine. I'm just checking. Um, anyway, back to the ad here. Every brand you can imagine at Woonsocket Discount Liquors. Woonsocket Discount Liquors carries that brand. And we'll sell it for less. Our grand opening will have raffles and giveaways and most of our great prices um, on the names you know and appreciate. Socket Discount Look is located in the Diamond Hill Plaza next to Burlington Cope. Over 5,000 square feet, beautifully displayed in one impressive superstore. When Socket Discount Liquors will be your go-to store for liquors from now on. Now, before I hit the commercial for the Roast House, do you remember the day, Tom... When we couldn't read that commercial as such, um, we couldn't talk about price of liquors. That's right. Right. And we, could, right. And, um, not, we couldn't even speak it, generally speaking. Now, you, now I can say, uh, you know, Crown Royal on special for twelve ninety nine or something like that. But um, uh, in, in a certain date, now was that your agency that was causing that or is that no. just the state law? So no, you that, got, that was state law. All right. We didn't. So why do so many pick, people pick on the Public Utilities uh, Commission uh, and, and administration? Well, I... Or would you like me to come back after a commercial? Why, why don't you do the commercial and let's, let's, take, the, let's take that up in some length. Okay. Let's meet for lunch or dinner at the Roast House. Their menu offers something for everyone. Seafood and chicken, roasts, steaks, and chops. Appetizers and their rotation of the heartiest soups in the area. Open Sunday through Thursday, 1130 to 9. Friday and Saturday, 1130 to 10 p.m. Now, here are some of the delicious choices awaiting you at the Roast House. You know, they do have a luncheon menu. You, uh, but uh, like the other day, my wife and I uh, called out and said, uh, "How about a turkey dinner? Fifteen ninety-five. It was complete. It's right from the menu. You can get a turkey dinner today, or any of the seven days of the week at the Roast House. Uh, but if you go in there for uh, lunch, uh, don't forget the tuna melt. It's a nice, nice sandwich, and uh, it's just one of the many choices on the luncheon menu." At the Roast House, Blackstone and Pawtucket. And um, the owners of the Roast House also operate a brand new... No, it's not brand new. Now it's like three or four months. Asados up in um, up in Smithfield. <clears throat> right on the um, Smithfield and uh, Gloucester line. 
I think uh, you're just uh, passing out of uh, Smithfield into Gloucester and you come into the, I don't want to call it a village of Harmony, but uh, I guess you could call it that, right? Yeah. Is Harmony a village in your opinion? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd yeah. call it that. All right. So anyway, uh, uh, but that's not the commercial for that restaurant, even though it's called Asados and they have nice Portuguese choices. Back here at the Roast House, uh, you can find um, a great uh, menu selection. And I hope you'll uh, stop into the Roast House today and enjoy um, lunch. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Tom Kogut is with us by invitation. And uh, he um, he works for the uh, public utilities. Um, um, I want to... I, every time I reintroduce you, I want to get the distinction between the commission and the administration. The division. The, yeah, I work for the, the division. division. Yeah. Right. So you work for the division. Uh, yeah. Right. And uh, the commission is uh, appointed by, uh, by I don't know, is it the legislature or the governor? So the, uh, both uh, the, the three commissioners are appointed by the governor with advice and consent of the Senate to six-year terms. Uh-huh. The administrator of the division, my side of the shop, is appointed by the governor with mm-hmm. advice and consent of the, the, the Senate with also a six-year term. All right. What am I, before we get to what the carriers do, um, I forgot what I was going to, uh, I had asked you a question, oh, you, I forgot you what it was. Me, it's like, do you remember it? it? Well, let me, let me get to the answer. I think, you know, there is a point that utility regulators, um, motor vehicles, um, people Generally speaking, my my friends in communications, I apologize, but cable companies, there are some things that nobody is really terribly fond of, um, even if they're doing a really really good job. And um, I think um, one of the one of the issues is that as we see these annual um, on the electric side, since we uh, since we got into that, I think uh, one of the things that that people forget is. Um, we also will see rates drop in the month of April, and uh, that's something that um, you know it, it becomes sort of a mindset that every fall you see another double-digit increase. But there isn't a whole lot of public recognition of the fact that we have rates that'll drop for the summer months, and for the most part, we are we are summer peak users mm-hmm. in, in New England, uh, especially southern New England. So it, it's, um, you know, I understand that. I mean, I spent 19 years doing news. It's not, a, it's not a really sexy story, if you will, when rates drop. It is when they increase. Mm-hmm. So the public's perception is that every year, oh, my gosh, they're coming in with another 25 or 30 percent rate increase. When will it stop? But in reality, what we're seeing is sort of a sine wave effect of rates dropping in April, rising in uh, in October, and ironically, uh, the rates for this winter are just actually a little bit lower than they were, not by much, realistically, but they are a little bit, little bit lower than they were last winter. Complaints. So, let me give you some categories of complaints sure, and see if they fit. Somebody doesn't like uh, the way uh, the Providence and Worcester Railroad is passing through the city of Woonsocket. Maybe they, they don't like uh, one of the uh, intersections where the, where the signals are. So, anything to do... With railroads in Rhode Island, Public Utilities Commission. You grab probably one of the, believe it or not, the only way uh, the division, it's actually the division has a role here, um, is at grade crossings. That's about it. That's the only vestige. Uh, we were talking before going on air. I mean, the history of the agency goes back to the Railroad Commission in the 1800s. So one of the vestiges um, is uh, the division and the, actually the commission does have final say on that, come to think of it, is the design configuration of at-grade crossings. Aside from that, you know. They, they can be, uh, this really kind of important. I was in Middleborough yesterday uh, coming home from uh from plymouth and the you know the uh grade crossing signals went down Mm -hmm. and when that mbta train came came by that thing was was really moving so we're not talking about something that uh, and we have plenty of mbta activity in rhode island lots of it from there from uh i guess um wake is it wakefield where the the trains uh can uh, leave in the MBTA and go up to Green Airport and into Providence yeah, and up Warwick. to Boston, right? Yes, yeah, the Warwick, yeah, Warwick mm-hmm. and Wickford, yeah, and Wickford. all the way down. To That's Wickford. what I all wanted. Down Wickford, Wickford, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, most of that MBTA line, I'm pretty sure we don't have at grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, you know the the biggest 
proliferation of at-grade crossings that we have in the state is actually the Newport Dinner Train on the west side of mm-hmm. uh, Quidnick Island. That has passengers, yeah. It has passengers, and it goes through Carnegie Abbey, the golf course there, the old Kaiser aluminum plant, for those of you who remember that. All right, so what about uh, cell phones and uh, also uh, telephones? Because people, I mean, we still have telephones yeah. in the studio. Uh, tell me about, uh, uh, do, do you have any, um, any regulatory uh, function over that? So, 2011, thereabouts, 2012, um, the wireless industry had fought us uh, for a couple of years, and they eventually won. Wireless were actually prevented by law, both the commission and the division, from regulating anything with wireless. With everything in regulation, there is an exception. Um, we, we do, um, uh, certain wireless carriers come before the commission to have, uh, to be, uh, to meet, we review them to meet a federal standard of eligible telecommunications provider for lifeline service. So there's that, just that. Um, you know, telco is such a largely deregulated thing because of mm-hmm. competition. Um, wherein we used to have a dedicated little telco department and whatnot, we just farm out the various little remaining functions across our staff. Now, the reason you don't have any uh, control over uh, wireless is that uh, anybody who uses a cell phone, they're really a mini radio station. And the Federal Communications Commission really controls the airwaves, at least in my opinion. Is that uh, a way, of, good way of putting it? Yeah, it really is because it's like an interstate commerce thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had, let's say you had an intern who was from University of Nebraska, or he or she came in, and he or she had a cell phone, she'd have a a Nebraska area code. Mm-hmm. It's interstate commerce. Your next door neighbor could have a Connecticut right. cell phone. You know? So why have a state agency regulate an international, uh, a national business? Right? Yeah, and I'm. I yeah. also really don't like the idea of regulatory Potemkin villages. Mm-hmm. That is just regulating for the sake of showing that you may have some regulatory role. Let's take a few phone calls. See, eh? you uh, got some earphones in there. Yep. Okay. What would you like to uh, comment on on to uh, the associate administrator of PUC? Hello. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, sir. Oh, I can barely hear you. Um, to your guest, uh, I have solar panels, and uh, I haven't received a credit for the electricity that I've given back to the electric company in over two years. Uh, does your office take care of that kind of a problem? Yeah, so um, on the on the utility side, uh, it depends on, you know, one part of it could be contract. And I think the best thing um, to do is, uh, why don't you call our consumer section so you can get in the pipeline on that. Or um, I, I'd give you my email address. It's just, it, it's, it would take... I do not have a computer. I have to do oh. it by phone. All right, that's, that's fine. So why don't I... Um, because it's listed, I'm going to give you my direct n- line on the air. Okay? It's uh, four, okay. 401 780 Yeah, I'll, I'll take down the information and see what we can uh, sort out. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome, sir. 401-780-2105? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go to another phone call here. What do you want to talk about with the uh, PUC guy? Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Tom? Yes. Bill Cusa from uh, Valley Resources. Hey there. Going back a few years. Now, since the... uh, the electric portion been sold uh, three times. Now, who maintains those line power lines? All right. So, so yeah. So basically, um, the distribution system is Rhode Island Energy. Um, the uh, the transmission is you know is multiple ownership uh, with usually affiliated companies, but the distribution system is still a Rhode Island Energy. As it, the corporate name is still Narragansett Electric, by the way, mm-hmm. um, it, it remains, and that's also true for gas. Believe it or not, the corporate name of the gas company is Narragansett Electric. Anything else, sir? Uh, I I know that uh, now, now 
uh, the line that goes through West Rentham Road comes in from Rentham, and then it goes all the way to North Smithfield, pass into one socket. Now, did that come under the Federal Power Commission? So it's interstate. Yeah, there, there, there is um, FERC, the uh, federal regulatory entity, and um, and ISO New England would also monitor along those lines. Uh, so yeah, that anything that's interstate in general has uh, federal and and or ISO. Um, and, and when I mean ISO, ISO also has the uh, Northeast Reliable, Reliability Council rules that drive uh, what it what it monitors and regulates. So, if, if federal and regional is is the best answer, thank you, sir. Appreciate and it. And then one more thing. Yeah. Rhode Island Energy was sold very quickly. Not too many. No public hearing. Uh, I don't know if it was announced in a paper. The last minute or what? Oh, I don't wait. know if the if, if the, uh, the selling deal was very fast or what. Oh, it, how come that happened? I was there. It was not a quick deal. Um, it 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 went on for months. Uh, there were more hearings than I can think of. Um, and as a matter of fact, before the deal was consummated, there was a court challenge to it. And the court challenge uh, basically upheld the division's approval, but there were also settlement agreement uh, standards in there uh, that, that were part of the issue that was uh, brought by the attorney general's office. So, yeah, it was it was public. I was I was downstairs for more hearings on that than than I can even care to think of. Well, then people ask me, I said, I don't know what happened. Something quickly, and then they had no. Uh, uh, equity to run the company, they just doubled the rates, you know? Well, they didn't double any of the distribution rates. The commodity rates are the same, and as part of the uh, settlement agreement, uh, they have agreed to stay out on the distribution rate case side for three years. So, um, and, and PPL, as far as equity is concerned, I, I don't have the, the total corporate numbers in front of me, but PPL is a relatively substantial U.S.-based uh, provider in three states. Thank you, sir, for your call. Appreciate right. it. Have a good day. All right, Tom Kogut is with us. We're talking about the um, utilities uh, division and the utilities commission. He's representing the division today. Cable television rates, do you, do you uh, have anything to do with that, or is that uh, something you used to have something to do with? No, definitely the latter and not the former. Uh, get me going on cable. I, that's, that's my other nameplate job. I'm mm-hmm. Technically, the entire cable regulatory unit in the state of Rhode Island is sitting here in studio with you right now. All right. Um, yeah. What does that mean, though? Not a lot. Um, <laughs> no, uh, what we do regulate is uh, the PEG channels, and that is uh, public access TV um, to making sure that the, the carriers that we have, the three in state, I3 Broadband, which is the one in Bristol County that used to be a full channel, as well as Verizon and Cox, um, the, that they they have those channels open and available that you have capital television that's available you know statewide and all that sort of stuff as well as the studios for public access um and and all the other various and sundry things and we're we're kind of happy that the the costs of of managing that in our case we've got a memorandum of understanding with ripbs channel 36 um they've they've done a wonderful job and and it's been a a well cost contained i think uh operation for for decades we handle transfers uh we handle we monitor some some issues along those lines cable rates have been completely i for all intents and purposes deregulated for years in in the country because the presumption is see what, what cable was regulated as was video serviced and and the, there's always this presumption that somehow state regulators across the country were able to actually regulate cable rates. And it's like just my opinion, but I think I, I will stand behind it, definitely, is that it was such a limited thing. Even into the 1990s, it was just basic tier uh, service. By the late 1990s, the only thing state regulators could do is basic tier service, your local broadcast stations, if you will. And some basic equipment stuff. And I was around, I started doing the cable stuff early enough that we actually had a couple of the 
federal cases, you know, fed, uh, the federal form cases uh, that, that went before us for uh, Area 7, which is Newport County. And it was hundreds of pages of documentation that produced very little latitude in terms of actually addressing costs on bills. Uh, the presumption is that you can get video programming through the Internet, satellite services, through any number of ways right now. And that it's such a competitive environment that you, you can access whatever you really want through various medium. Well, uh, just to give you, a, you know, an addendum to uh, the changing way that people get their video, uh, I think um, it's Best Buy that just announced yesterday that uh, they're discontinuing selling DVDs. Yes, yes. Uh, in 2005, uh, they raised $16 billion of revenue. And in 2022, uh, $786 million yes. of revenue. So people are getting their, their video from various sources. But your discussion here in the studio leads to a plug for the Autumn Fest Parade. Uh, the replay will be on... Your regulatory channel. Uh, it'll be on, um, let's see, uh, Verizon 23 and Cox 18, and that'll be Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. So if you want to see a replay of the uh, Autumn Fest Parade, you can. But that's the kind of thing that you're regulating at this stage of yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, so if somebody has something to say about a local produced um, uh, TV show, not something that's... Um, uh, you know, an HBO thing or something. Um, right. Your agent, they call you? Well, you know, I, I, again, <laughs> the, the folks who manage the studios do such a great job of that. If if something has to, you know, is mm -hmm. unresolved at that level, I, I backstop all of that. But mm -hmm. I also try to be an ombudsman for uh, cable customers trying to unbundle some issues. Mm -hmm. um, we're sort of like a, a last, we're, we, I, me, my department, mm -hmm. which is me, um, acts as a backstop. Sounds, sounds like you guys are pretty busy every day. Hello there. Uh, what would you like to uh, comment on? Um, yes. Recently, uh, within the last several years, uh, the gas lines in North Smithfield yeah. that are connected to one socket were replaced. Yeah. At that time, uh, there were some sinkholes that occurred. Nothing went out to warn customers because it was uh, done at tunneling straight across property. If you looked at the launch, mm -hmm. you didn't know anything was wrong. So I'm going to uh, interrupt they're, here. they're a danger. Why so haven't people This caller has mentioned the sinkholes before. Mm -hmm. Would that be something that would be regulatory for your agency or who should she direct her comments to on, on these sinkholes uh, that the gas company, I guess they, you know, they didn't underfill properly or something. Right, right. so the, the first stop obviously would be the municipality or if it's a state road, um, mm -hmm. the state DOT because... So this, this is on the property itself. This is on actually property. on the property. Private um, property. Yeah, on yeah, the property. Um, they, I, because the statute does cover the roadways, I'm, I'm thinking out loud right now, mm -hmm. the statute covers the roadways almost exclusively. I am drawing a little bit of a blank on something that would cross private property that's not uh, a public right-of-way. So could you look into this and maybe uh, we could uh, have this uh, per individual call you and um, yeah. maybe uh, shoot. Right. So he doesn't know the answer exactly right now, uh, but he's going to look into it. So uh, why don't you give that number that she could call you tomorrow, for so, instance. Yeah, either way. 401-780-401-780-4080. Right. Thank you very much, and have a good day. Thank you. Okay, one more call, and then we have to say goodbye. If you could at least get your topic on the table, we'll try to tackle it. Hopefully it's a real quick question. Maybe you'll have an answer to. It is simply that when I visit friends in other states, Massachusetts, Virginia, um, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, when you go to cable TV, you have a wide variety of local stations that allow for local communities to have multiple departments or multiple areas covered where there's a unique station for different departments like school departments and schools and things such as that. So Rhode Island seems very, 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 very limited. Very general. For public access. Yeah. And I just wonder if that's 
something that's strictly legislative, or is it part of what you do? All right. Thank you, Carl. And one more thing. You know, when you cross over the line in Blackstone, it's a whole different world of of cable television over there. So maybe you can uh, talk a little bit. Yeah. So um, thank you, Carl. Yeah, it's a great question because um, what we right now have in the the PEG channels of public educational governmental is based in a statutory requirement that we have (laughs) them and a regulatory requirement that we have the number of channels. It's really based currently in this whole concept of linear TV. And one of the things that I've personally been looking at is sort of what the caller has been suggesting. And that is you have in many cities and towns on demand where you can see a planning board or you can see a council meeting. You can select the topic of the council meeting and you can go right to the video clip of it. I think linear TV is great, and that is like TV on a schedule that goes in one direction. That's fantastic. Uh, I would very much like to try to figure out a way, and, and I've been thinking about it, to try to to see what the next generation is. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm going to retire at some juncture. I'd like to leave it in a position where it at least looks like it's the 21st century. <laughs> All right. What didn't we uh, say about the Public Utilities Commission that uh, we should know about? I, yeah, I work with uh, a lot division. of division. Well, I, both the commission and the division. I work with a lot of dedicated people who go to work every day, and and you know, everyone beats up utility regulators. But the truth be told, um, that I work with a lot of people who go to work every day to make sure you have safe, reliable, decent service at the best possible rate. And um, it's it's actually uh, it's it's a complex job. It's um, maddening at times, and sometimes remarkably rewarding and yeah even you'll get a state worker who'll give you his desk phone and as one caller i'm reading off the screen puc votes for the utilities not for the people is that true no, well <laughs> you know i will of course disagree with that but but that's again that's you know i i get it you know i it's you know um it, and would it be within the uh, the latitude to simply say, you know, we'll we'll have uh, five cent per kilowatt hour power for all time, and mm-hmm. no one will ever pay a bill over a hundred dollars for yeah. for gas. That would be nice. It'd be lovely, um, but it's it's a it's a competitive supply and demand market. Just like five dollar gallons of gas aren't uh, twenty five cents a gallon anymore, huh? There, there you go. Have a good day. Thanks for joining us. My Tom. pleasure. Let's not make it every twenty years. You went our eyes up front. Presented weekday mornings at eight a.m.